for uh, reading that text this morning. Certainly that verse demonstrates the tremendous responsibility, the power of influence that mothers have. And we want to wish all of our mothers a very happy Mother's Day today. And we want you to know how much we love you and appreciate you. And we're going to focus our attention today on mothers on this special day of honor. I want to begin with something maybe just a little bit humorous today. What my mother taught me. I, I like this a lot. My mother taught me to appreciate a job well done. She said, if you're going to kill each other, do it outside. I just finished cleaning. My mother taught me religion. She said, you better pray that'll come out of the carpet. My mother taught me about time travel. She said, if you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week. My mother taught me logic. She said, because I said so, that's why. My mother taught me more logic. She said, if you fall out of that swing and break your neck, you're not going to the store with me. My mother taught me foresight. She said, make sure you wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident. My mother taught me irony. She said, keep crying and I'll give you something to cry about. My mother taught me about the science of osmosis. She said, shut your mouth and eat your food. My mother taught me about contortionism. She said, will you look at that dirt on the back of your neck? My mother taught me about stamina. She said, you'll sit there until all that spinach is gone. My mother taught me about the weather. She said, this room of yours looks like a tornado went through it. My mother taught me about hypocrisy. She said, if I told you once, I told you a million times, don't exaggerate. My mother taught me about the circle of life. She said, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. My, my mother taught me about behavior modification. She said, stop acting like your father. My mother taught me about envy. She said there are millions of less fortunate children in this world that don't have wonderful parents like you do. My mother taught me about anticipation. She said just wait until we get home. My mother taught me about medical science. She said if you don't stop crossing your eyes they're going to freeze that way. My mother taught me ESP. She said, put your sweater on. Don't you think I know when you're cold? My mother taught me humor. She said, when that lawnmower cuts off your toes, don't come running to me. My mother taught me how to become an adult. She said, if you don't eat your vegetables, you'll never grow up. My mother taught me genetics. She said, you're just like your father. My mother taught me about my roots. She said, shut the door behind you. Do you think you were born in a barn? My mother taught me wisdom. She said, when you get to be my age, you will understand. And my favorite is my mother taught me about justice. One day you'll have kids and I hope they turn out just like you do. Well, that may be a, a rather humorous reflection on motherhood, but mothers are very special individuals. I want to begin by looking at Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 3 this morning where the Bible says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor 
your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long upon the earth. You know, the first known suggestion for Mother's Day was way back in 1872 by a woman named Julia Ward Howe, who incidentally was the author of the Battle Hymn of the Republic. It wasn't until May of 1915 that the President of the United States proclaimed Mother's Day as a national day of observance, and it was to be observed on the second Sunday of each May. And so when you think about Mother's Day, it really is rather new. It's only about 103 years old. But when you stop and put things in proper perspective, it does seem rather a sad situation. You know, you've got Pickle Week. You've got all these other kinds of weeks. You've got Mule Day, and yet you only have Mother's Day. And sadder still is the fact that the only honor that many mothers receive is on the second Sunday in May when phones are the busiest and restaurants are the most crowded. But you know, God says that every day, every day is a day that mother ought to be honored. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12. Now, since mother ought to be honored each and every day, of course, Mother's Day becomes what it ought to be, a day of special honor for some very special people. And just briefly for the next few minutes, I want to look at some reasons why mothers deserve a special day of honor in addition to the everyday honor that we ought to give her. May I suggest, first of all, as we think about being a mother, mother is the most influential profession in the world. You know, many Bible mothers bear witness to that fact. You think about mothers in the Bible that were good influences on their children. I think about Samuel's mother, Hannah, and how she prayed to God, if you'll just give me a man-child, I'll give him to you, God, all the days of his life. And of course, she allowed that to take place. And what a profound influence that Hannah had on her son, Samuel. Or you think about the mother of Moses, Jochebed, who raised this young man in the teachings of God as he was to take on an even greater role in Egyptian society and culture, ultimately to become the leader to bring God's people out of Egyptian bondage. Or you think about the special relationship that Ruth had with her mother-in-law, Naomi. Those special words she uttered and treat me not to leave thee nor to return from following after thee for whether thou goest I will go and whether thou lodgest I will lodge your people shall be my people and your God my God the Lord do so to me and more also if aught but death part me and thee and of course you have to consider the mother of Jesus Mary but in contrast to that, you think about mothers that 
had an evil or a negative influence on their children. You think about Jacob's mother, Rebecca, and the deceptiveness that took place in that home, the favoritism that took place that caused a lot of problems. Or you think about Herodias who instructed her dancing daughter to request the head of John the Baptist be brought on a charger. Of course, all throughout history, the influence of a mother is very obvious. Abraham Lincoln once said, all that I am or I ever can be, I owe to my angel mother. And I've known a few great men or women who did not owe a large part of their success to their mother's influence. And so it's true. The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And then as we think about being a mother, may I suggest that mother is perhaps the most taken for granted person in the world. You know, too many times I'm afraid when a woman is asked what she does, sometimes the reply comes back, I'm just a housewife or I'm just a stay-at-home mom as if she's a second-class citizen. There's a poem that was written by a Christian lady up in McMinnville, Tennessee, that I'd like to share with you this morning. It says, so they say she was just a housewife, that's all that she had to do. No career or prescribed profession could portray what she could do. But who kept the house so spotless? Who mended and laundered the clothes? Who makes a plain meal a party brought happiness to all that she knows? They said she was just a housewife, but not this mother of mine, for the beauty and grace with which she reigned in our home could not be penned by word or rhyme. She was never too busy to comfort either broken bone or heart. She knew how to solve all of our problems with love and understanding with her unaccomplished art. She knew she prayed for us often as she went about her work each day. The example of Jesus living in her was showered on us day by day. She knew the needs of our neighbors and when they had crosses to bear, my mother had just the solution to help them and to prove that she cared. Her door was never fastened to those to whom she could give aid. Though the hours were long and tedious and hard, her strength seemed to match them, untiring and unafraid. The people who knew her said she was a Christian. My daddy said she was a queen. To me, she's the most beautiful person either heaven or earth has seen. So they say she was just a housewife, and, you know, maybe that's truly her lot. If so, I pray that God will give every house one, for she's the best thing our house has got. I think we fail many times to to stop and to consider just how much our mothers are really worth. You know, Proverbs 31 and verse 10 that we heard just a minute ago says that her price is far above rubies. One of the most valuable gems of that particular day. There was a recent article in a magazine that said if you could hire somebody 
to do all the work that mothers do, it would cost you about $900 a week or around $52,000 a year. Now, mothers, I don't suggest that maybe you go home and turn in receipts or anything to your husbands, but I, I think that article just suggests the real work and the value just physically that a mother has to do. But all these things considered, I think we understand that a mother is worth far more than that. And when mother is not there, we are reminded of how much she means to us. We're reminded of all that she does and how we depend upon her. And, you know, where would we be? Where would our homes be without mother? You know, there's no CPA. There's no office executive. There's no world leader that works harder or does more than the mother in the home. And then today as we think about being a mother, may I suggest to you that being a mother is the hardest job in the world. You begin with giving birth. The actual birthing process ought to qualify each mother for sainthood. And, you know, I'm thankful as I witnessed the birth of my three children that my wife was the one that was going through that process. But we all know the agony of giving birth is preceded by many months of discomfort and misgivings. Those last few weeks and days can be agonizing sometimes. You think about all the emotions up and down. You think about the concern you have for that unborn child, so many uncertainties that you have to deal with, and yet there's so much more involved to being a mother than just giving birth. You think about what mothers have to cope with daily. Sleepless nights, various kinds of illnesses and sicknesses that come. There's nightmares, there's teething, there's the terrible twos, and the ferocious fours and, you know, the threes aren't a breeze. And then, of course, there's the agonizing potty training that takes place. And then finally, you know, you get to that first day of school. And once that begins, it seems like everything begins to change. You know, those children aren't at home as much anymore now that they're at school. They're influenced more by outside factors, other people, peers, and you have to deal with those influences. Maybe they have difficulty making grades at school. Maybe they become discouraged. Maybe you have to begin to cope with a much busier schedule now that you have all those school activities and all the problems that may come associated with that. Of course, later on, there's that first day, there's the first broken heart, there's the nights of worry over late dates or auto accidents or other teenage escapades, and all these are interwoven with thousands of dishes and diapers and, and don'ts. You think about the discipline that is really so vitally necessary in the home. 
You try to teach those kids responsibility and independence. And, you know, many times it'd be a lot easier for the mother just to go ahead and pick up the toys herself. It'd be a whole lot faster, right, than to make those children pick up those toys and do the things that they're supposed to do. And, you know, it's not over like we might think it is sometimes when those children are grown and gone either. She often finds herself now free but lonely, a a victim for that which she has dreamed of for so long, the empty nest. A mother's whole life has literally revolved around her children, and now those children are no longer there. That takes a lot of adjustment. She's then a woman wondering and anxious about her adult children, you know, where they are and what they're doing. And, you know, sometimes there are disappointments that a mother deals with. Other times there's periods of pride and joy. And a mother tells herself that her children still love her and they need her like they used to all the time while missing those days when the patter of little feet echoed through the house. You know, in their book, How to Be a Good Mom, the authors Stephen and Janet Bly have a section that I think is very good entitled, A Good Mom Never Yells and Other Motherhood Myths. Now, I want you to listen to some of these myths as One analyzes a good mom with the following description. Now, keep in mind that a myth many times is something that people may want to believe or believe, but it's not actually true. Here's some of these motherhood myths. A good mom never bakes biscuits from little cardboard tubes that go pow. A good mom appears instantly when any family member yells, Mom! A good mom knows exactly what garment each child wants to wear to school each day, has it washed and hung in the closet and always ready to go. A good mom is always home when you call. A good mom uses coupons to save a minimum of $25 on each visit to the grocery store. A good mom never raises her voice. A good mom never dreads teachers' conferences. A good mom attends every t-ball game and soccer game in holes and heels, maybe fresh from the office, of course, or some other world-expanding venture. A good mom never leaves kids with runny noses in the, in the church nursery. A, a good mom never says no to the PTA. A good mom keeps a regimented family schedule of daily tooth flossing, and Bible memorization. You know, uh, you think about this, and it's a little humorous, but a mother's job is very, very difficult. And then you consider that a lot of homes today consists of single mothers. Or perhaps a mother has an unbelieving husband. That makes the job even more difficult. What I'm saying is we need to have a far greater respect, a far more appreciation than we do for motherhood 
and what motherhood involves. But then let's quickly talk about, as we close today, what makes a good mother? Now, Daniel read Proverbs chapter 31, and certainly that gives a sublime description of a good mother, and we're not going to take time today to to comment on that verse, but I want to use an acrostic, the acrostic of mother, to describe what makes a good mother. The M for mother, let's let that stand for modesty in 1 Timothy 2 and verse 9. You know, how can we expect our children to be modest when maybe their mothers are immodest in dress or demeanor or speech? A good mother tries to set the proper example for her children and behavior and her attitude and how she deals with the things of life. She is modest in her approach to life and how she treats other people and how she treats those children. The Owen mother is for others. Now, of course, we know that all Christians are to forget about self and to think of others. Philippians 2 and verse 4 admonishes us to look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. But it seems like mother always has an extra measure of selflessness. It's really amazing sometimes to see that selflessness in action. Makes us men think sometimes, you know, I wish maybe we had a little bit of that. There's something very special about the selflessness of a mother. The T in mother stands for teachers. A mother teaches those children right from wrong. They generally read to those children their first Bible stories. They hear our first prayers. They teach by example with every fabric of their lives. The H in mother is for her heart, a purest gold. Good mothers are all heart. Good mothers have limitless compassion. I don't know how mothers do it. I know I could not have done it. A mother's job is difficult. And that's why compassion is so important. The E in mother stands for eternity. You know, though she does care for the here and the now, and she's concerned for the physical welfare, welfare of her children, her main concern is for the welfare of their children eternally. That may, that may be why she's always the one that's most concerned about making sure everybody's up and ready for Bible study and worship. She's concerned about where her children are going to spend eternity. And then the R in mother is for righteousness. And by that I mean a good mother is in a right relationship with God. She loves God. She recognizes her dependence upon him. She prays to him. She worships him faithfully. She's right with others in work and service. And so the number one holiday in America, for the restaurant business, is not Father's Day. And I'm thankful for that. It's Mother's Day. In fact, Mother's Day literally bursts a 
flowing bonanza of greeting card companies for florists, for candy companies, and many other retailers, but I've never heard any complaints about that, about this disparity between these two holidays. And that may be because most of us carry around a nagging realization that props us with the thought you just haven't quite done enough for mom. And upon considering the content of Proverbs chapter 31, I think most mothers understand that they're aiming for a pretty high goal. But folks, we need lots of those kinds of mothers around if we're going to heal our families. We need lots of those kinds of mothers around if we're going to heal our nation and our culture and our society. And so it's only proper that we honor our mothers today in a special way. But may we determine that we're going to give them the honor that is due them every single day. Perhaps the greatest way that we can honor our Christian mothers, especially, is to live the faithful Christian lives that they've taught us to live and have exemplified before us by their life. That's the greatest tribute that you can give to your mom, to be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, of course, being faithful to Jesus Christ begins by that decision to obey the gospel. Jesus Christ came to this world. He died for our sins. He made provision for our salvation. And if we are obedient to him, he's promised to save us. If we will simply believe in him with all of our heart, John 8 and verse 24. If we'll be willing to change our life, repent of our sins, Luke 13 and verse 3, and confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, Acts 8 and 37, then we can be baptized into Jesus Christ, Galatians 3 and verse 27, for the remission of our sins, Acts 2 and verse 38. Or today, if you haven't been living faithfully before your God, if you've allowed things to sidetrack you and to cause you to to lose your focus, maybe you need to come today as well. This morning, the invitation is yours. If you're subject to it, we ask that you come now while we stand.